Hi everyone, this is Brianna. And this is Chad. We're part of the ACP in Canada program, and we're bringing you the second episode of the Advanced Care Planning Podcast, Speak Up. Today, we're going to go into the United States and talk to two guest speakers about their experience. We'll talk to Will, who's a funeral director, as well as a fellow podcaster and advocate for advanced care planning. And we'll also talk to Mickey, who had uh, an experience, personal experience with advanced care planning with her husband, and then went on after his passing to be a huge advocate in her community and region for advanced care planning. Yeah, just like I can give you guys a background uh, about me. My name's Will DeMichaelis. I um, am a licensed funeral director. I've been for about three years. I've worked in death care, um, specifically direct cremation, mostly in that space for about six years. Um, It was my first job out of college. Um, I even interned a few summers while I was in school. I majored in finance, so this is not the field that I expect to go into, but this is a family business, and I really liked how rewarding this work was uh, for me personally, um, in terms of, one, growing a business with family, but also meeting with families and and helping in a way that I felt was really valuable to my community and the families in it. So really for the past six years, I've, I've kind of just jumped in as an arrangement counselor and helping families over the phone, in person. We can help families smoothly and seamlessly and make the grief process as as painless as as we can make it in terms of what we have to do for families. You you came from finance. You went into something what you thought of as completely different. Do you see any connections between financial planning and you know doing these types of arrangements? Was, do you see connections there at all? Yeah, I do. Especially when I do pre planning for families, they're they're often arranging their will or trust documents, and these healthcare conversations are associated with them. And I really enjoy that families are proactive, including us in that part of the conversation for their overall trust and estate planning. Just because I see every day when families don't make these arrangements in advance, how it can lead to strife within families, arguments, fighting over financial resources, which ultimately just prolongs the arrangement process unnecessarily. So I see a big difference in in families that pre-plan and those who don't. From my perspective, it makes the grief process a, a lot less severe. Year, just because there's less stressors. If you if one's already dictated their arrangements, the surviving next of kin is just executing on what's already laid out for them, and there's no guesswork involved. And alleviating that at a time at, in the grief moments is is really beneficial for families. So I've always been an advocate and grown to be an even bigger advocate for advanced care planning since working in the field. That's awesome. We try to talk about how advanced care planning is a gift that you can give your families. I'm really happy to hear that you've actually seen in real life experience that it actually does help the families. Yeah, um, absolutely. Is there some sort of age demographic that you're seeing more often coming in and doing their advanced care planning with you? Or maybe are people coming in without a life-limiting diagnosis to do advanced care planning? Usually I would say the age demographic is usually between 55 and 70. 
if there's no immediate life-limiting illness, it's usually couples who are in their retirement and after a breakfast and conversation <laughs> over breakfast and coffee, they're like, you know, what are we going to do today? Yeah. But usually they've had a conversation before and one of them is the impetus to say, hey, I think we really need to go in and see somebody about this because I, I want to get it organized and I don't want to be responsible for the decision-making process, not knowing what you want. And I certainly don't want to leave it to our, our kids to have to figure out with, with them without them knowing what we want. So that, that's usually the driving force mm -hmm. is to save someone else in the family for having to make difficult decisions without a knowledge basis of what the patient wanted. Yeah, that was making me think about, we actually did a national poll in Canada um, in February this year. A lot of people think that it's important to do advanced care planning, yet few people have. Um, are there some certain barriers that you find people come up with when they're, or like what's some challenges that you think, I mean, having the conversation is difficult. I think that's definitely one thing, but are there other kind of barriers that you're coming across or in accessing that demographic and getting more people to come and do the planning? I, I have to be totally frank and say that I think the stigma of the conversation is probably the biggest thing. I see all the time that people don't want to acknowledge that part of their life. And I, I understand that. And they push it back, push it back and push it back. And you, usually it, it comes circles back when they're between 60 and 70. And there's a kind of a human perspective that they, they face their mortality to some degree. And they choose to, to make those arrangements. But I still see people that say, hey, I don't want to talk about it. I Like, I'm still here. I, I don't, it's not necessary to talk about. And what I always say is that these are the conversations that are best had when you are healthy, when you can think clearly about what you want and what's important to you and evaluate your value systems to kind of help you gauge what you want for your end of life arrangements. It's, it's not something to, to think about in haste at all. I, I really wish more people felt that it was an okay conversation to have. And I think speaking to professionals like you in these types of settings is one really great way that we can normalize these conversations and, and help people or give people the green light to have them and talk candidly about it. Yeah, so I think you, you really hit the nail on the head, as the saying goes. There is a lot of struggle with normalizing the conversations, making them seem part of the everyday sorts of conversations. I'm actually quite struck that some people wake up in the morning, have their coffee and say, when they ask the question, what should I do today? The answer is, let's go plan for my death. I need to meet these people. They seem like very interesting folk. You know, one of the things that we're trying to do, I mean, our organization really strives to normalize the conversation. That's what a lot of our messaging is about and the resources that we create. But we're launching a campaign in the fall here called ACP Anywhere. And the big push for that is to show that these types of conversations can happen anywhere and that they're not really, you know, for being on the person's deathbed or, you know, those those very selective healthcare contexts that we might assume uh, these type of conversations have. So we're really reaching out to people both in Canada and also internationally to participate in this campaign to show that no matter where you are, no matter who you are, I mean, the fact is, yes, you are going to die. But also the other facts are these conversations don't need to be so stigmatized that talking about death won't kill you. And that, you know, people really do find relief when they do open up and have these conversations, especially family members 
members who might not otherwise know what your values and your wishes are. They might have an idea, but they don't know for sure. Speaking of the ACP Anywhere campaign, um, I want to ask you about where and when you might suggest people have these conversations. So based on your experience, is there a theme? What has seemed to work between some of the people you've come across? Um, And any suggestions you can give to them to have a successful experience? Sure. I would say that in my experience, successful conversations come out of environments of openness. I usually say that anyone who's not willing to have the conversation, you can always acknowledge that and that's totally fine, but they shouldn't be around if you're going to have a serious conversation with another person, just because you don't want anything to impede your openness and honesty in these conversations, just because it's very important and I don't want anything to to get in the way of sharing one the truest form of, of your advanced care wishes. So that that's really what I'll say. In my experience, having them over meals is really good. Food is the best way to get people to be open and honest. You can kind of set the scene as clearly as can. Yeah, that, that's really the, the, the majority of it. I usually say if there's any resistance to the conversation, just say that, hey, I know this is a really difficult conversation to have, but I just have to let you know that I do want to have it and we can table it for now, but I will bring it up again. And then you can set a time frame in when you want to bring it up. So the, usually what I say is that if the person doesn't want to have the conversation, they'll say, hey, I don't want to have it right now. And you can say, okay, well, I think this is really important for us to plan for. So, and I really want to have the conversation because I care about our relationship and I care what happens to us. So can we think about talking about it in a week? And just to get out of the conversation for, in that moment, they'll say, yeah, sure, no problem. But at least you have them on the hook for, for next week. Until, yeah, until it, it matters. A nice segue to that is um, we'd love to hear you say a few words about your podcast, how it came, how it came to be, what sort of things you, you like to cover in that, and uh, yeah, if you don't mind sharing. Sure. So our podcast is called Death Diner. Um, I work with a hospice worker here in Southern California to discuss a topic of death. Any topic that we can apply to one year prior to a person's passing up to one year after a person's passing. So that goes from anything regarding advanced care planning to what to expect when you actually go into a mortuary to make arrangements or how grief can manifest itself after a loss. And I think we've also kind of discussed death in general. We've walked through um, a values worksheet. So we have an advanced care planning document. So like asking questions about, hey, if you're if you're hooked up to a ventilator, do you want to be kept on that as a form of life support? And we walk through that whole conversation for ourselves and in an effort to remove the stigma from the conversation and get people to have those conversations themselves. Absolutely. I, I again, just want to thank you and, and everything you guys are doing and your whole team. And thank you as well, Will. We, uh, we appreciate the time you've shared and, and the wisdom as well. You've, you've had a lot of on-the-ground experience that helps uh, orient some other people who might not be as familiar with these conversations. And you're doing fantastic work with your podcast. So thank you very much for joining us today. Thank you, everyone, for joining us today. I think we learned some very important messages from our speakers. If you'd like to learn more about advanced care planning, you can go to our website, advancedcareplanning.ca. We're also on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Instagram. You can also go to our LinkedIn page for more information or contact us at info at 
This was the second episode of the Speak Up podcast. Thanks again for listening.